Today, it's my pleasure to be talking to Alexander Martin, a trans feminine person from Peoria, Illinois. I look forward to hearing her story and her insights. And the trans population in America is a vulnerable one, one that's ridiculed considerably by many. In a recent study published by the American Academy of Pediatrics, female adolescents who transitioned to male reported a rate of attempted suicide of 50.8%. Of adolescents who identified as not exclusively male or female, that's non-binary, that number was 41.8%. And for male to female adolescents, that number is 29.9%. These numbers are staggering, and I seriously hope to gain some understanding of the minds, lives, and struggles of this population and take steps towards making these numbers decline. Perhaps this conversation will contribute to that. Before we kick things off, though, of course, if you find this episode meaningful, like it, share it, comment on it, and be sure to like my pages on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe on YouTube. If you want to support this show, you can donate on Venmo to the username, The Paul Garcia Show, and or you can become a patron on patreon.com forward slash Paul Garcia, where you'll get early access to each and every episode for as little as $1 a month, episodes like this one. I'm seeking to build an honest, knowledge-seeking, unifying media company, and I need your help to do that. With all that said, Alexander Martin, thank you very much for coming on to the show today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. It is my pleasure. And I just want to say thank you again, really, because it takes it takes a lot of courage to come on the show. And I, I understand, or I assume I should say, that it must have been daunting considering the amount of conservative guests and right-leaning guests that I've, I've had on. So for you to come on and kind of be a pioneer of sorts is very impressive, and I hope to have many more conversations like this. Yeah, thank you. It is... Um, it- it can be. I anytime you become visible uh, and the lens is turned on you, it's a little. It can be a little scary, especially when you're part of a more vulnerable population. But I'm excited to be here and have conversations. And you got to reach out to people in some way, and so this is a good way to do it. <laughs> awesome. Well, again, I, I respect you, and I sincerely appreciate it. And first things first, a, a lot of people who aren't familiar with the terminology in the trans community are going to wonder what I meant by trans-feminine. So maybe you could explain what what it means to be trans-feminine because that is correct. That's, yeah. that's what you are. Um, so when talking about trans identities or transness, um, trans means that your gender identity, how you feel inside, your heart, your soul, your spirit, whatever you want to call it, doesn't match your sex assigned at birth. So when you're born, the doctor says, this is a boy, this is a girl, which... Now we know it's even more complicated than that, Um, but the doctor says that. And then if you grow up and your internal dialogue, who you are inside doesn't match that, you are a person of a trans experience. Trans feminine for me um, is I identify more on the feminine side of things. I identify more, I see myself femininely, I identify myself through a feminine lens, I still occasionally use the term non-binary because I'm not a man or a woman. Um, I am a trans non-binary person, but trans feminine gives the lens of like how to, um, like how I see myself. It's all the terminology we use, all the words we use, they aren't, it's not like you find this perfect label online and you're like, that's who I am. It doesn't really work that way. The words are just for language and communication. Therefore you all. So like, saying I'm sharing I'm a trans feminine person or I'm a non-binary trans feminine person um, 
gives you a little bit of an insight into how I am hmm. or, and anytime someone shares their identity with you that way, it it's not that they are that word. It is that they are sharing something that lets you see their soul a little bit more, especially in ways where like maybe your body doesn't match, or maybe you don't express yourself that way, but you're sharing a little bit of that insight. So I'm sharing by saying I'm trans feminine, I'm sharing a little bit of how I see myself with you or with whoever I'm talking to. That's, it sounds very deep, really. It, it seems, I could see how that would be a vulnerable thing to tell someone. It's like, hey, this is who I am. Deeper than skin level, this is who I am, as far down as you can go. And it doesn't match what I, what my body would tell you, I guess. <laughs> I know I, I'm going to struggle throughout this conversation a little bit. Is what I'm saying making sense at all? Like, is it an words used to describe the internal state, the deepest sense of self? Is that what this is? Yeah, yeah, that's a very good way to put it. It is a way to describe an experience that isn't always visual because transness has nothing to do with how you look, how you dress. Um, that can be a part of it. That can be part of gender expression because expression is what you choose to share. But like your identity, who you are. You could live in the woods by yourself, never interact with another human, but you still have your identity of who you are inside. And that's why it can be so vulnerable because you're sharing a part of your truth with somebody um, and a truth that they may not see. And it, they'll tell you that it's not your truth. They'll tell you that they don't believe you. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because it's, it's how you feel. Like everyone, if you look inside and know who you are, you feel connected to that person and you're never going to be able to fully express that to somebody else. Like we're not telepathic. We can't read each other's minds, can't see each other's souls, but you can try to make that connection with people. Um, and that's the same for anybody, for people outside of the trans community, there's parts of yourself that other folks don't see or don't always see. And maybe that's, maybe that hurts sometimes. Maybe that is, maybe you hide that part of yourself. Um, but yeah, it's, it's communicating something that is deep within you. Understood. Well put. And now I'm curious to learn about your story a little bit, if you don't mind. When did you first start to realize that your internal, your sense of self from a gender perspective wasn't the same as, I guess, your, your biological sex, if I'm putting mm. it right? Yeah. So it's a ongoing journey. People kind of view coming out as this big, like, it's almost like a baby shower. Like, <laughs> I found out this thing, this is who I am. And here it is, everybody. But in reality, you come out every day, not just to yourself, because it's a constant journey, like, you, you learn things about yourself every day. And so not only to yourself, but also every time you're in a new space, a new environment, a new location, you're sharing part of yourself with those people and you're coming out again. So it's an ongoing journey. But for me, um, from the time that I gained consciousness that I can remember. So like probably three is my mm -hmm. earliest memories. I felt different. I didn't know what it was. Um, as I got a little bit older, I thought, oh, maybe I'm gay. Like maybe I, I heard that word and I was like, I think I'm experiencing that. Cause when you're a kid, you're not necessarily thinking about, you're not, you start developing your gender identity around three. Mm. Um, that's like, if you follow like child psychology, it's around three years old, people start developing their concept of gender. Like you'll hear kids start like using pronouns. I mean, everybody uses pronouns, but you'll hear them like stick to one, like, Oh no, don't call me this, call me that. Or they'll start developing taste, developing what they like. It's around three years old. Um, and for me, I just felt sort of at like at odds and you don't have the words, you don't have the vocabulary. You're still learning how to talk. You don't know 
how to express. And so as I got older, I saw um, my first gay couple in person. And I was like, maybe that's it. I was like, that sounds right. Like, I was a kid, so I wasn't necessarily experiencing attraction, but I knew I was like, something felt different. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as I got older, like I went to college, um, I went to West Virginia University, um, got my bachelor's in fine art. And my junior to senior year, I came out. I was like, I'm bisexual. I'm gay. I'm like, this is who I am. This must be it. And it felt good to share that part of myself because I'm like, oh, that's I'm sharing who I'm attracted to or who I want to be romantic with. I can have that conversation so I don't have to hide that anymore. And even though that felt good, it still didn't feel correct. Like after sort of basking in that glow for a little bit of like, oh, I shared this part of myself. I'm free. I was like, there's something else going on. (laughs) Um, I moved to Peoria in about 2014 for graduate school. Um, I got my master's in fine art at Bradley. And during that time, I started trying to be a little bit more vulnerable in my practice as an artist, um, steering more of myself. And I was really feeling at odds with masculinity. Like I've never really fit in in a masculine space, Um, but I was still clinging to this identity of like, I'm a it's hard to say now, like I'm a man or I'm a boy, like that feels right, I guess. But it was like, I was at odds with it and I couldn't understand why. And I was like, maybe I just don't fit in with other, um, like LGBTQ plus folk. Maybe I just don't fit in these spaces and these gay spaces. Um, and I started using the term queer to define myself because I'm like, that's a little bit more encompassing. And no, you're going to have to explain oh, yeah. what that means. There was a time not too long ago where you weren't supposed to say that word. And yes. now it's uh, <laughs> an entire identity. Yeah. So like queer um, is now used. It was, it was used as an insult because it means like odd or other. Um, but now like you can get a degree in queer studies. Um, queer is an umbrella term that encompasses a lot of different identities and a lot of different forms of expression and attraction and everything. It's a big umbrella word. Um, a lot of people use it um, the way I use it, where it's like, I didn't really know what I was experiencing, but it wasn't it wasn't what other people around me were. So I was like, queer is a good catch-all. So if you hear someone using that, it's usually an umbrella term, again, to sort of share a little bit of their experience, like... I think it's a, I'm going to misquote this, but Bell Hooks um, talks about queerness. And she says, queer, not as in who you're attracted to, although that's certainly part of it, but queer is in being at odds with everything around you. Mm. <laughs> um, I know I'm misquoting that, but she, <laughs> it's, it is true. It's like with a queer experience, there's other people doing things and like celebrating things that you feel you're happy for them, but it doesn't feel like what you want. And you don't necessarily have the, words for you don't know what it is you're missing (laughs) okay um it sounds like still a term for like still figuring it out type of thing yeah some people use it because they're still figuring it out some people use it because they don't like the idea of definitions just like how i said Uh, earlier like a word that gives you an insight into a little bit about them a lot of people use that term queer to encompass something that's like i don't really know how to talk about this or i don't really need to but just know that like I'm having this kind of experience and I want to share it with you a little bit. So that, mm-hmm. like, that's why a lot of people use that term. Um, but then in finding a really supportive community, um, a really awesome group of friends and people that I could feel safe around, I started expressing myself differently. Um, I started dressing the way I've always wanted to dress. I started doing the things I've wanted to do. I started doing drag. I perform as a uh, drag queen. And I met a lot of trans feminine people and trans women through drag and like of being nurtured by these strong women who had to go through a journey um, 
and are further along in their journey than I am. And like, I felt safe in sharing more of that dialogue with my internal dialogue. And I felt safe celebrating that a little bit more. And so as I started expressing that, it felt more and more real. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think it was about 2019 going into 2020, had a little bit of a breakdown. Uh, I spent a few months crying. I thought I was like, I must be a woman. Like that's what this feeling at odds has been. That's what this that's what this pool has been. It's like, I haven't quite fit in right anywhere. And it's like, I must be a woman. Um, and sort of sat with that for a while. But then I heard um, an animator I really like talking about things being coded male or female. And like, they're a non-binary person. And they were talking about being raised to like a feminine lens. And something really resonated with me. I was like, I was raised through a masculine lens. Like I was raised as a boy, mm-hmm. but I never felt connected to that. And I always felt kind of performative when I was like, I feel more in tune with the feminine side of myself because everybody has both. It comes through in different ways. Everybody has both, but I felt more in tune with like the feminine side of myself. And I was like, but I didn't feel like a woman. Um, But I knew that what I felt inside did not match what people told me I was. And mm-hmm. now, like, I use the term trans feminine. I sometimes use non binary. Again, those aren't labels that I like wear a badge of. I'm like, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, like, I'm a person of trans experience. My, who I am inside, now I can share it. I feel safe. I feel comfortable and I felt welcomed. And, like, I had a community supporting me. And people started using different pronouns with me before. I even told them, like, because they could see it. If you hang out with someone, if you're friends with people, you see their truth. Some people will try to ignore it, but, like, it's really hard to look at someone and say, that's not who you are, when you can feel it. Even if they don't traditionally express it that way, you can feel someone's truth. And my friends and my community were feeling that, and I felt safe enough to share that. And then I came out for the 15th time. (laughs) (laughs) But now it's like, I feel like that at odds I had from growing up, that feeling of like not quite feeling right is gone now for the first time. And I'm almost 30. I'm 29. I'll be 30 this year. It's gone for the first time ever. And I, it's such a weird sensation. I'm like, Oh, like it's like my soul and my body have like met and matched. Oops. (laughs) It's like they've lined up and I'm like, ah, like that's what it feels like to know who you are. Um, and like, that's going to grow and develop and I'm going to grow and develop as a person. Like everybody grows and changes over time. But like I've done the, I've done the foundation work, like my foundation, my house is built on solid ground and now I get to start adding on to it. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. So that well spoken. <laughs> so this happened, this big, the, like you said, the 15th coming out, but it seemed like a big coming out one more time. When did that happen? Um, that was, it started in like 2019, 2020, but then it was during the high of the pandemic, like 2021 that I started sharing it a little bit more publicly and then being more vocal about it. And to kind of roughly quote you, you said you definitely identify with the feminine side of, um, your gender expression, I would Mm -hmm. say, but you don't. You feel like a woman. That's what you said. You yes. said, I don't feel like a woman. Is that correct? You don't feel like a woman, but you feel much more comfortable expressing your gender in a feminine way. Yes. Like, I um, I have friends who are trans, but, like, within the binary, like, I know trans men and trans women. Mm-hmm. And I'm more on the trans feminine side. Like, I, I resonate, like, a lot of my good friends are trans women. I connect with them in a way that I don't connect with other people because it's a very similar experience. 
but I don't, I don't feel completely at home in the mantle of woman um, mm-hmm. because that's a little bit different than my experience. And so that's why, like, that's why I use trans feminine. It's like, I am in that realm, but I just, the mantle or the title of woman doesn't quite fit my experience. It doesn't quite fit how I feel. Mm-hmm. I understand. And now some people who are watching this are going to think, well, what's what's the difference between being trans feminine and just being a feminine male? Mm. Um, so exp- it's expression and identity again. So I know loads of people who are masculine or feminine, regardless of their gender identity. I have friends who are um, cisgender women, which cisgender, I don't like to use opposites, but like if trans means your identity doesn't match your sex assigned at birth, mm-hmm. cisgender means it does. So if you're born and the doctor says you're a boy and you grow up and you're like, yeah, that's right. You're cisgender. Um, and so I know cisgender women who are more masculine in their presentation. I know cisgender men who are more feminine. Right. And that is an expression and like the things you feel um, comfortable with or comfortable expressing. Like I almost equate it to like taste. Like there are certain things that like to anybody listening, there's things that you would never wear. Like how many like women listening don't like skirts or dresses? How many men listening don't like a button up and a suit? Like there are certain conventions that are cultural um, that are gendered and some people feel comfortable or not comfortable with those. And they express that in different ways, but expression versus identity is like who you are inside. So that feeling inside. So wanting to express something is expression, but feeling like you're, you're making a lot of sense. So yeah. Keep going, please. Yeah. It's like feeling like you are something else is where identity comes in. Um, so like I, I've probably expressed myself femininely on and off throughout my life. Like there's moments where you hide it cause you feel shamed, especially if you're raised through a male lens, you are, afraid to like want to get your nails done you're afraid to do these things and when I uh was on my own and an adult I started doing those things more and it felt good I was like oh this feels good this is fun to express these things but then I was like oh this isn't just wanting to express these this isn't just for fun I was like this is hitting a little too uh, close to home this is hitting at my core a little bit like the first time I put, uh, it was press on nails. I was, I put press on nails on. And I remember as a kid, I always wondered, my sister had gloves that had nails on them. And I always wanted to play with them and put them on. And I thought it was so much fun. And then the first time I did, I was like, oh, wow, cool. I get to do this and express it. It felt good. But then something else clicked. It felt almost too good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, this feels right. Right. Yeah. Like this feels, and that's, and it's not saying that that is, um, womanhood like you don't have to have your nails done to be feminine you don't have to do anything to say how you identify but like being able to safely express that i was like this is more than just expression this is resonating with something deep in me it's like when you it not the same but like if you do something you've always wanted to do and like you realize like oh this is my career when you line up and you're like i really like doing this like people who have that awakening in healthcare they're like oh my god i think i want to be a doctor or i think i want to be this It's similar to that. There was a click that I was like, oh, this is more than just on the surface. <laughs> and what did that, was that scary at all? Or were you like, oh, no, uh, this is this is a big deal. Like you said it clicked. That had to be like a revelation. Yeah, it's a little, it, it's a little scary. Um, 
but it's also a relief. It's a relief because you're like, oh, <laughs> that's what that's been. That's what that feeling's been my whole life. Like, that's what that is. I understand. Like, I'm not, I'm not odd. I'm not, I mean, I am odd as a person, but like, I'm not uh, broken. I'm not, it's like, I found what, because it's like, I, I couldn't connect with some of the people around me. And I was like, why can't I? And then I started meeting other trans feminine folks. I started meeting trans women. And I was like, I'm really connected with you. Like, there's no introduction. It's like, boom. And I was like, I think this is my community. Like, this is who I am. Like, you start, it feels, it's a relief because it answers a lot of unanswered questions. It is scary um, because, like, it's a, it's a, it's a again the vulnerable population like I'm in that like as a black trans feminine person I'm in that really high murder statistic where like every Mm -hmm. time I go on a date every time I'm out in public like I'm always kind of looking over my shoulder a little bit because like I've lost members of my community to violence and so like that part's scary knowing that you are vulnerable knowing that you are hated for reasons outside of your control can be a little bit scary. That's why I think a lot of folks will say, Oh, this is just a social experiment or you're just doing this for this. It's like, no one, I mean, I want, like, I love who I am and I want to sell, like celebrate it, but like no one, no one does this for fun. Mm. You (laughs) would sign up to be a part of a group that's murdered at an incredibly high rate and discriminated in many different ways. Exactly. It's like, you do it because you have to, Mm -hmm. um, to feel whole. Okay. Um, well, okay. First of all, have you ever dealt with serious discrimination in in your life? You know, you, you talked about some difficulties already, um, j- but it seemed like they were more within yourself. You know, mm-hmm. have you ever had people say you know mean things to you? Have you ever dealt with difficulties within your family with them accepting you or anything like that? Yeah, I um, like throughout my whole life for different reasons. And it's weird being at an intersection. Like I am a black person. I'm a trans feminine person. So like you get pushed back for different reasons um, and for different things. But like I, uh, classic example, I was featured in the PJ star in Peoria a few times. I do a lot of advocacy work and community work. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple articles written about me and don't go to the comment section online. Don't ever look at the comments online. Dude, um, I mean, I get that all the time <laughs> on my posts. That people say some crazy things. I'm like, I'm done with this. Yeah, it's like I can't be, but I, I made the mistake of looking, and it's like mm. people were talking about like, I can't believe we let that near children or look at it or what, like they're sick, they're this, because like I do education as well, and it's like, did I hear they're teaching? Oh, like burn the witch, like all this crazy <laughs> People get really uh, heated, and I don't even know these people. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like you get it enough. It's like I don't pay attention to it now. But like, crazy, just yeah. It's 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 weird that just existing happily causes a violent reaction in people, <laughs> and so you get pushback like that. And then there's the traditional like, it can be difficult to come out. Like, how many times have I come out to my family now? And like, coming out with like a like with your sexuality is hard enough, but like eventually people come around cause they, people understand romance and attraction um, a little bit more than they understand identity or themselves. And so like sharing with my family who I am, like I still get misgendered a lot. They don't, but like my immediate family, at least my mom and my brother, um, they're working on understanding it. And it's, that's good. It's like, it's all I can ask is to attempt to understand. And so they, 
they get the insight. They see you in a context like anybody's family. They're going to see you in the context they raised you. Like I'm sure anybody listening has, they're an adult, but their parents still view them as like their little kid. And so oh, they, they treat you that way sometimes. It's like, yo, like I'm 30. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm filing my taxes. I have a house. Like, yeah. um, so I'm sure people like, it's kind of like that kind of pushback. Like my family's going to see me the way that I grew up with them, but they, I know in their heart of hearts, it makes sense. Like, the things I did as a kid, the things that I was uncomfortable with as a kid, like this makes sense. So it just takes them time. Did you say that your mom is, is doing her best to uh, yeah, learn your, learn the terminology and, and address you appropriately? Yeah. My mom and my brother, I um, uh, grew up uh, in West Virginia. I'm biracial. My mom's white. Um, it was black. It was me and my brother and my sister um, raised by our single mom. So we were really close. We have an extended family and they were always nice, but like we felt a little bit alienated. Like my sister and I were the only black people in our family. I wasn't out at the time, but like the only person I knew of at that time that was like queer in my family. Um, and so we were sort of like a hot little bubble, but we made it through. Um, and then when I moved out here, sort of came into my own, started like, I don't know anybody. Well, now I know people in Illinois, but I didn't know anybody when I moved here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I uh, started expressing more parts of myself and learning more about myself. Grew a little bit distant from my family. Still talked to them, but like there was some tension when I first came out and then other stuff. And then in 2019, um, I lost my sister uh, to a car accident, my younger sister. And that made me go back home. Like I went back home for her celebration of life. I was with my immediate family and my extended family and that connection to my past, like viewing myself in the context of which I grew up to now made part of that identity journey click. And it also, it was like, my sister was 23, 22 losing someone that young and early on, like we were supposed to be old hags together, like yelling at each other. (laughs) Um, I was like, I have to do exactly what I want and live my truth. And that sort of was a catalyst in being more honest with myself, saying no to things I don't like, saying yes to things and taking care of myself. And that made me reconnect with my family in a way that, like, I think that's part of the reason why they're trying. So, like, we're, I mean, we're miles apart, but, like, we're together again and we're looking out for each other and I can see them trying so like the thing that was uh, what we were at odds with before is now better and like it gets better every day wow well i'm, I'm very sorry to hear about your sister first of all but it's interesting how uh, a loved one's death or even just some traumatic experience like that can kind of wipe your eyes or wipe the lenses that you've been l- looking at your life through and suddenly the things that you know the Denying certain aspects of yourself, I guess, and what you like, you know, it all seems as silly as it should. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, well, you know what? One, I'm going to die. Two, it's like you never know when other people around you are going to die. This life is too short to live in a way that doesn't line up with how you really feel inside. So it's kind mm-hmm. of, it, it makes a lot of sense that after that, you're like, you know, screw this whole acting like something I'm not. Yeah, it's like a lot of people regardless of the community they're in, a lot of people do stuff that they don't want to do because they think they have to. Mm. And when that wall gets shattered, it's scary, but then you're like, I can do anything. And it's like losing a family member helped me see that. But then also being in a community like the LGBTQ plus community, we lost a whole generation. Like 
we don't have a lot of baby boomers because a lot of them died during the HIV epidemic. We, we lost a whole generation. And like in the trans community, you can lose a friend every day. Like that's why we do the trans day of remembrance every year. Like you, we lose people every year to violence um, or to lack of healthcare, lack of resources. And so you get accustomed to that and you're like, well, I need like, why not live my truth? Like I'm not going to, I'm going to do what makes me happy. And if I can lead with joy, I can bring joy to my community. So I got to do what's right. And I think everybody, regardless of their community experiences that in some way, shape or form, but there's that moment or moments where you're like, I need to do something for me. Understood. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I cut you off there. No, you're fine. No, 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 that was it. That was it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that note, we got a quick say thank you to a a local sponsor, Fairbury Furniture in Fairbury, Illinois, Central Illinois' premier furniture store. These guys are great. You ever bought them from a furniture store before? Uh, No, I usually uh, secondhand things. (laughs) (laughs) One day you will have the luxury of uh, of buying from a great furniture store like Fairbury Furniture. I don't know what I'm saying right now. Here's a commercial (laughs) from Fairbury Furniture. Fairbury Furniture is Central Illinois' premier furniture store. This family-owned business offers a vast selection of premium furniture items from all of your favorite brands, including Sealy, Best Home Furnishings, Leather Italia, Tempur-Pedic, and Ashley, just to name a few. Also inside Fairbury Furniture is the popular WC Market, a beloved shop that offers an ever-changing selection of unique gifts and fashionable home decor. So make your home interior beautiful, comfortable, stylish, and delightful when you shop at Fairbury's own Fairbury Furniture. Come on down to Fairbury Furniture, where the furniture rocks. All right, that was Fairbury Furniture in Fairbury, <laughs> Illinois, Central Illinois' premier furniture store. I'm here with Alexander, and I was just wanted to ask you, you know, kind of going back on something that we already talked about, those comments on the post made by the Journal Star in Peoria that, that featured you, mm-hmm. that you said there were people saying, burn the witch type of thing, <laughs> just really crazy stuff. And I want to know, gain some deep insight into how that made you feel. Um, it... <laughs> Thankfully, it happened later in my journey where I'm a little bit more comfortable with myself. I think if I was younger, like, that would make me feel not great. I mean, that's why you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, like, it's part of the reason suicide rates are so high. Mm. People share a very precious part of themselves with somebody. Like, if someone like if someone comes out to you, that means they trust you enough to share a part of their truth and they want you to see them for who they are because they love you. And if you do that and then you get made fun of or ridiculed or hurt, that messes you up. Um, I thankfully have a really awesome community and a really awesome like support system that I know I'm not crazy. (laughs) Um, and I know I'm loved. Um, but also like with age and experience, like they're just, they're internet trolls. They have an opinion and they really want to have it heard. And it sucks that it's at the expense of other people. Um, But regardless of what you do, people aren't going to like you. Um, And I try my best to lead with kindness and lead with joy. Um, And I'm just going to keep doing that. So I just, was it water off a duck's back, I think is that saying? Mm -hmm. Just, yeah, just like water off a duck's back. And speaking of water off a duck's back and dealing with uh, trolls and and really just dealing with 
hurtful comments, I want to ask about something that a lot of people suggest, and they say that gender dysphoria is is a mental illness. And I know that you mentioned something in our emails about, um, not to use the term transgender, if I remember or correctly. Transgenderism. Is transgenderism. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I guess, uh, first of all, what? why not use transgenderism? Start there, and then I'll ask about uh, that, mental illness. Then. The term transgenderism is clinical like that's in the i forget that big psychology book where they make additions oh, the dsm yeah the dsm statistic that's, manual mental or, yeah, yeah that's like a diagnosis in one of the earlier versions of that where it's like oh you've been diagnosed with this like it's not an ism it's just a part of who you are and so it's not a mental illness it's a it's your identity and so i mean the same thing like they had different sexualities in there as mental illnesses as well so that's why we don't use the term transgenderism because it's it's clinical and it is like a diagnosis when you can't, you can't really diagnose anybody with this. Understood. And then, you know, what's it make you feel when people do say that uh, being a trans person is a mental illness? Because, and do you deny the term um, gender dysphoria? I hear a lot of people in the community use that. So I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, gender dysphoria is a very common phenomenon. Like it's, um, it is, that feeling of not being at home in your body, like you feel a certain way, like you know who you are, but then you look in the mirror and the reflection doesn't, doesn't tell you that like your shoulders are too broad or your, your voice is too deep or whatever. Like it causes, um, harm. It causes like, it doesn't feel good. And that's Mm. why letting folks transition, letting them live their truth is life-saving you know what prevents suicide rates? Like letting folks live in their truth, like supporting them. Like, you know, they know who they are, you know who you are. Um, and so like when folks tell me like, Oh, it's a mental illness or it's this or that. I, my main question or concern is like, why do they feel that way? Is it because they haven't experienced that before? Um, I honestly, like I try, I speak a lot in metaphors because I think it's a good way to relate to people. Right so, back at, yeah, yeah. I, I do the same thing. Sometimes it's the best way to explain a concept. So, yeah. And so it's like, I'm trying to find the right metaphors for communities like that to let them understand like, no, this isn't like, this isn't a mental illness. Like this is, it, it, again, it's an experience that they, that people can't, ex- may not experience. And I think a lot of times folks get angry when they've been, cause everybody's been through something, everybody like being alive is hard mm-hmm. <laughs> full oh, <yeah>. stop. <laughs> mm-hmm. And everybody's been through something. And I think when people have an experience that other folks don't understand or can't have, they're like, well, that can't be real. That I don't agree with that. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and it's just because it's something they haven't had to experience and that's okay. There's loads of stuff I've never experienced and loads of stuff I never will experience. But I believe when people tell me, their truth and i believe when people tell me what they're going through and like that's just trust and compassion and so whenever people say like oh you're mentally ill or say you're this it's like well i'm i'm very happy i'm doing what i like i have friends and community i get to express myself with through my art practice like i i think i'm stable and so i'm like what what is it about me that makes you uncomfortable or what is it about me that makes you feel like I'm mentally ill because I think I'm okay um so like let's have a conversation about that mm-hmm. it's it, you know people people feel uncomfortable when they're around something that's novel or new to them mm-hmm. a lot of the time and and the immediate response to that is repulsion sometimes yeah. like ah 
That's new. That's I don't know what that is. Therefore, it's not safe. Therefore, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. In fact, I reject it. Yes. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like you, you probably see that, and you, I feel like you would see that with older people. So from your perspective and within the trans community, are there stereotypes of people like are, – are old people truly um, the most resistant to people within the community or it's- what would you say? bigger than that it's it's hard to pinpoint like of course you're going to have older folks who are um a little bit more curmudgeon-y curmudgeon-y <laughs> <But>, whoa <laughs> i've never used that word or heard it but um you there's it's it comes from all directions which i i don't mean this to sound disheartening or depressing but like within the trans community and like even within the lgbtq plus community there's lesbian gay bisexual pansexual people who don't agree or don't believe in trans folks they don't believe in transness there's gatekeeping within those communities so it's not just old people it's everybody Mm -hmm. um and so we face flack within our own communities we face flack with outside of our community so it's like i can't pinpoint one group that does it the the most because it is it's that it's new to a lot of people Mm -hmm. and or something a lot of people haven't experienced and like you said, it triggers that reaction. So it's not just it's not just older people. It's a little bit of everybody. You get it kind of from all sides. <laughs> now, that's surprising that within the LGBTQIA plus community that there's that there's kind of pushback from within. Mm-hmm. What reasons might different members of that community have to dislike the trans community? I think it's it's always weird to me because like trans women, black trans women started like Pride Month, like the first brick at Stonewall was thrown by Martha P. Johnson. Like there's trans women have been at the forefront of a lot of activism within the LGBTQ plus community. But I think that pushback comes from a lack of understanding. Like people can understand sexuality because a lot of people experience attraction, regardless of who it's to or what's with like people get crushes, but not a lot of people f- don't feel at home and who they are. And that's a newer experience. And I think it's pushed back from that. Like you see it like a lot of um, like there's people still face discrimination, but you have like wealthier gay men in politics. Mm-hmm. Um, people are way more visible now, but like at the end of the day, there's still like a man in power or a person in power that is, even though their sexuality may be not what other people in power are like, they're still adjacent to that. And I think it sort of clouds the vision of like where we all started, like where we're all in this together to begin with. It's like when you get that taste of like, and you see it in all kinds of underrepresented communities, someone will get a taste of being on the other side and they end up oppressing the community that they're a part of or came from. Yeah. Cause that's they, interesting. Yeah. It's like, it's, I think it's because people don't necessarily want change. They want to be in charge. Oh, like, that's so interesting. That's deep. That's psychological. <laughs> that's everything. I remember my dad telling me a story one time he was in school and, uh, he, they, in PE class, you know, they typically back in the day, back in the seventies and sixties, they would, you know, the jocks would pick the teams and it always go, you know, the most athletic down to the least athletic. And one time um, the PE teacher let the the non-athletic, the least athletic kids pick the teams. 
and they immediately started picking you know the most athletic and they like they they forgot about their fellow non-athletic people yeah. you know the the dorkier ones in that class and it's like oh my gosh everyone just wants to be in charge really it's like you you, you kind of lose solidarity sometimes when you have this newfound power i feel like yeah that's an amazing example of that like that's 100% <laughs> it's cuz like to imagine real systematic change and growth is hard because it's something we haven't seen. Maybe our ancestors did it. Maybe other civilizations had a taste of that. But like, we haven't seen the kind of future we all want to work towards. And so envisioning something new is odd. And so for a lot, like, it's difficult. And so for a lot of people envisioning themselves being at the top, instead of eliminating a hierarchy, a lot of people envision themselves at the top. And that puts them in that role of well, now I have the power, so it's time to get back. And it's like, no, that's not like true equity is everyone's on like a, like Knights of the round table. We're all here seated equally. No one's above anybody else. Like that's where the best kind of growth will happen. Right. Power is extremely intoxicating. So Mm -hmm. you gotta, you gotta watch it. You know, you gotta be prepared when you enter those positions, you know, when you're a newfound, when you're a new politician, maybe just like you were saying, you know, you tend to turn your back on the on the discriminated against communities of which you came. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. And I, I want to ask about, you know, you talked about let people transition for, uh, you didn't say that, but you know, let people express who they want, how they express themselves, how they want to be expressed, how they want to express themselves. Good heavens. <laughs> and also let people transition. If that is, you know, the, w- the route that they want to take, there are tens of thousands of people that do that have detransitioned, though. Mm-hmm. So I would like to ask, what are your thoughts on people detransitioning? Is is there a chance that maybe we affirm young people, especially a little too quickly, and they take permanent steps and making changes, or is it such a small issue, maybe that it's and it's maybe just exaggerated in the media or something? It is very exaggerated. Um, I had a friend recently who just. Um, had their top surgery and they've been very vocal about their journey. Um, and they shared, uh, it was a psych, I forget which institution I'm not good at quoting textbooks. Um, but they were like, there is a, they're talking about regret rates amongst Mm -hmm. operations. Like I forget some seven to 20% of people regret having a child. Some people regret having, um, other things done. There was a 0.01% regret rate amongst folks who transitioned it's the lowest out of like uh not optional surgery but what's the word like surgery that you can choose to have amongst that amongst child birth amongst um other medical things there are higher regret rates than there are amongst the trans population so it gets blown out of proportion when folks like detransition um but like there are plenty of ways like (laughs) when someone lives in their truth, like you don't have to get surgery. You don't have to take hormones. You don't have to do anything. Just, you can start living in that. This is who I am. Some folks do that because of things like dysphoria. Like they don't feel at home in their body or they, they want their body to reflect who they are. Some folks don't. It's every trans person is different. Like we're not a monolith. You can't talk to one trans person and get like that whole insight. Cause everybody's different. Um, right. That's so, true with every kind of yeah. uh, different um, uh, identity of or groups of people, different nations of people. It's like you can't clump them. You can't speak to the group as though it's one person and expect it to resonate with every single yeah. person. Yeah, like everybody's different. Everybody's gender journey is different. Um, and then amongst youth, like 
I think people sort of misconstrue like what transitioning is like, like letting someone live in their truth is life-saving. Amongst youth, there's things like puberty blockers where those are completely reversible. It just holds off the development of secondary sex characteristics. So like um, I was on a trans health panel and we had a child psychiatrist who has kids who like they come out again when they're like three. They're like, oh, I'm a boy and this is my name. The parents are like, cool. (laughs) But as that kid starts approaching early teen, like puberty, the psychiatrist is like, hey, I know this is like, I know you know who you are, um, but you're going to start learning about puberty at school. Your body's going to change in a way that you're not expecting. (laughs) Um, And so things like puberty blockers pause that later in life, like they can go off of them and secondary sex characteristics kick in whenever, like they can get off of them. And if they feel that that's not truth, but it it holds off, it gives them the option. So they don't have to go through the dysphoria of like, well, now I have hair in places. I don't want hair. Now my voice is really deep. Now I'm really broad shouldered. Now I'm this. And I don't feel comfortable with that. It's gives them the time and space to make those decisions because kids know who they are. When you have a cisgender child who's straight, no one questions. People even project. They're like, I remember as a kid, my uncle's being like, well, who, what girls do you have a crush on at school? And I was like, I would lie or make up something because that's like what they wanted to hear, I guess. But like we project stuff on kids all the time, but kids know a lot. They are smart little humans. <laughs> they just don't have as much experience as their parents or adults, but they know. Do you think though that maybe they should have to be past a certain age before taking their requests for, I don't know, hormones or puberty blockers to be taken seriously? Maybe I could see the puberty blockers. It's like, well, you have to listen to them before they hit puberty. But, yeah. you know, should, would you say that they have to be older than seven or eight years old before you start injecting hormones or anything just because they're asking? Because they are still pretty young. Yeah, I am not a doctor and endocrinologist, so I don't know the timeline, but I'm pretty sure there is an age limit just by a lot. Like there's a, they don't, it doesn't happen super young. Like that's what the puberty blockers are for is it holds off stuff until they can start transitioning. But that happens a little bit later. It doesn't happen at a very, very young age. I don't know the actual age cause I'm not a doctor. Right. right. Um, but it, that happens a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, so like they don't, they don't do, they don't do things that can't be reversed with super young kids. <laughs> Understood. Yeah. Okay. And I have a few more questions for you. Oh, I have a lot more questions, but we got to take another commercial break. And here's a quick word from Ultra Physical Therapy in Lexington, Illinois. Great place. Great people. They'll get you feeling better. Newsflash, no one likes being injured or being in pain. And if you're suffering from joint or muscle pain or recovering from a sports injury or a recent surgery, Ultra Physical Therapy in downtown Lexington, Illinois is here to help. They are a locally owned physical therapy company that can treat everyone from the star cheerleader to the farmer getting ready for harvest to the professional office worker to the grandmother who wants to be able to play with her grandchildren. The therapists at Ultra Physical Therapy have a combined 25 years of experience and are trained in cutting edge interventions including dry needling, blood flow restriction training, cupping, and the use of massage and joint manipulation. They are also skilled in developing exercise and rehabilitation programs to get you back to doing all 
the things that you love to do. So free yourself from those aches and pains that are slowing you down and give them a call at 309-365-2500 to schedule an appointment or just to ask questions. Come to Ultra Physical Therapy in Lexington and we'll keep you moving. That was Ultra Physical Therapy in Lexington, Illinois. Again, great place. You ever have to go to a physical therapist by chance, Alexander? No, but I went to school with a bunch of physical therapists. Were they nice people? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course they were, because they're all nice people. Okay. <laughs> okay, I, I want to ask, we're, we're talking about, you know, ch- children and transitioning and things like that. And I didn't plan on asking this, actually, but just yesterday I had talked to a mom um, and she knew that I was talking to you today, mm-hmm. and she kind of wanted me to ask this question. She didn't outright say it, but it, I wanted to ask a question. So she is – she's a part of a group of moms here in Bloomington Normal who have have been worried about their children and their interest in transitioning and their insistence on being trans and these kids are in middle school and going into high school and I, I believe they're girls actually hmm. so they're all girls and it's a small group of moms in this area and they said and they've been together for a few years i believe and they've said that you know this interest or this ideation of maybe i'm trans maybe maybe i'm actually a, a boy and maybe i want to start transitioning they say it happens quite often but and this is what the mom said that if they kind of take a backseat and don't don't push their own opinions on the matter too hard, their children, more often than not, in fact, I believe it's 100% in the past few years, they end up not deciding to transition, <laughs> which do you think that sometimes it can be a, a social thing where, where young girls especially want, they, they consider it? But maybe it's not for them. Is that possible? Like, I, I don't know if I'm making myself clear exactly. But well, yeah, I think with like with anything, it's a journey. And like, I mean, it took me 27 years to come out. I've met three year olds who I'm like, "Yep, you are trans, and you are correct." <laughs> like, hmm. it's you can see it in somebody, or you know it. But it is a journey, and some people may like we're more visible now than we've ever been. So people are saying there's more trans people than I've ever seen before. We didn't have this growing up or whatever. Right. We've always been around. We've been around for hundreds of years. There's actually a really awesome project called the legacy wall. Um, part of the legacy project and it highlights LGBTQ plus history, like all the way back. Um, we've always been here. It's just because of oppression, because of safety, we've had to hide and not be super vocal, but like we're more visible now than we've ever been. And so I think it's common for people to see that like, for me, it took meeting other trans people to understand what was happening with me internally, like to not feel alone, to find that community. And I think kids will look to places to find community, but like there's a difference between, I think this is who I am and how I want you to refer to me as opposed to a kid who's like crying themselves at sleep tonight. Cause they want to wake up in a different body. Like there's a mm-hmm. difference. And if your kids think they may be trans, but they aren't like pressuring to like do stuff like let them explore that and give them space. Cause a lot of us never had that space and it took us a lot longer to figure out what was going on. Um, but like it, people like different people are different. So like just give them the space to do that. And that's like, uh, like that approach is actually, that's like not pressing the issue, respecting 
your kid's journey, respecting how they want to be referred to, um, giving them space and let them come to their own conclusions. Um, Mm -hmm. and just always keep an eye out for their safety, but like giving them the space to do that is, that's good parenting. Like that's like, and if they are, and if they decide that like, I don't feel comfortable in my body, there's things I want to change. Then you can start having that conversation of what that looks like for them, what that looks like in the future, what their plans Mm -hmm. are. Um, but it's it's different for different people. And I think as people become more visible, more folks are going to be like, I don't quite feel uh, something doesn't quite feel right, but I don't know what it is. So maybe it's this. Mm. But we all go through maybe it's this, maybe it's that. But it's just we're more visible now. So there's more things to look at. And like giving them the space to explore that is not going to harm them. Because I think people, again, equate transness with operations and with hormone therapy when all it is is. Like if you have someone who knows that their heart of hearts, that they are who they are and it doesn't match what they were assigned at birth, that's a trans person. They are just as much of a, like mm. if they are a trans woman, they are just as much of a woman before they publicly transition when they have that internal dialogue to when you wouldn't like years later, they are always just as much of a woman as they've always ever been, or just as much as of a man or just as much of a trans non-binary person. They're always that to the fullest it's just sometimes people want their outside to reflect that more. Um, so it doesn't, they don't become more as they go along. They're always been there. It's just, they're choosing to share it with you. So it's a normal phenomena for kids to consider the idea that maybe they are trans, trans and then deciding later that they are in fact not. You say that's normal and it's a good idea just to let them explore and come to their own conclusions. Yeah, because I think, I think kids um, like, experience a lot of different things and like i've talked to a lot of folks who are parents of trans children and they they knew (laughs) sometimes it seems you just know like on a deeper level and maybe you're more in tune to that than people like me but it seems like sometimes you just know judging by signs that typical scientific measures wouldn't wouldn't understand or acknowledge or something yeah because it's like it's not something it's a just like i can't go I can't scan your brain and say this is why you identify as a man like I see that in you like anybody who right like that's what you express that's who you are I can't there's nothing I can do to to prove that I just believe it because that's what you share with me and huh. so a lot of people shift this conversation to trans people because our identity doesn't match what society said we were But like, I don't do that to anybody who isn't trans. If someone tells me they are who they are, I'm like, cool. Like, I see that. And like, especially with like, if you talk to parents of trans children, like they see it, like they know they're like, yeah, (laughs) Um, like hearing some of these psychiatrists talk, like when their parents bring in their kids, like, I think my kid is having some gender identity journeys and I would love to give them the space to explore that. Like I hear stories. It's like the parents pick that up sometimes before the kids even do. Yeah. Like, I mean, the kids know, but they don't necessarily have the language to express that. Very interesting. And let's see, what do I want to ask here? So you said sometimes you looked at a kid that was three and you said that they're, oh, I can tell you're trans. What a, about them if you can even put it into words because as we said it kind of exceeds typical scientific measurements yeah well 
it's it's not like a it's not like a psychic like I'm like right. I know I can, it's not like although a, sometimes that's valid <laughs> you know it's like oh something about like I know like there's weird little subconscious signals that your brain's receiving that that are putting it together for you and you don't exactly know why yeah, well there, there are definitely especially like there are adults where like I've been in public spaces and I, I call it like the eye contact where like I'll be at like Michael's buying paint or something and I make eye contact <laughs> I make eye contact with a person and it's like like a gentle head nod it's like <laughs> You know, it's like right. I we're in the family together. I know this. Wow! <laughs> and so that happens a lot with adults, where it's like it's just I don't I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's spiritual. I don't know if it's like you feel safe around your own people. So maybe subcon like maybe my brain's feeling safe around these other people that I meet. But like in in the kids, I've seen that like I I know I don't know because it's they didn't. I know because they shared it and they are living it. Like they tell me. And I'm like, oh yeah, but they like they don't. Sometimes, even if they don't know like that, trans is a word. They'll share who they are, and I'm like, all right, like that's who you are. Like they, like kids are really, really smart and really, really emotionally intelligent. They just don't have oh, yeah. the same words we do. They don't know how to explain secondary versus primary emotion. They don't know how to explain these things, but they're feeling it. And like, they'll share it with you in their own way. So like through meeting parents of trans children, it's like when they introduce their kid, it's like, I see it because their kid's living. Their kid is sharing that part of themselves. They're just sharing it in a way that's different than like, like I can come on here and say, I'm a trans feminine non-binary person, but like I have three college degrees like so i can talk about these things in a more like academic sense but like a kid doesn't have that same vocabulary but they know they know something's up right and they find ways to share it and kids are extremely emotionally intelligent oh my gosh Uh, (laughs) i mean to i think that's almost something you lose as you get older sometimes is at least in your ability to understand what someone is feeling without them telling you like kids all the time they'll sit next to a uh an adult that's not at least they don't know that they're broadcasting how they're feeling. They'll just be like, why are you sad? And it's like, whoa, how do you know that? It's like, As you're an adult, you look at other people that are sitting there acting in the exact same way you are, and you're sad, but you don't understand that they're sad because you're just not looking for it or something, and kids are just great at calling it out. Yeah, and it's like I think – I mean, again, I'm not a psychologist, but like I think kids learn – they learn to speak, but like they have to learn – emotional cues like when you're a baby that's why babies cry they're like i'm hungry i'm tired or i want to be burped or whatever but you don't speak baby and i'm really mad about it so i'm going to let you know loudly mm-hmm. that something needs to change you're right right and so it's like kids pick up on emotional cues because that's how they communicate that's how like i've seen kids talk to each other and it's like they're having like half conversations i'm like and it's because it's like there's some kind of emotional intuitive thing. Like they're speaking their own language almost. (laughs) That's fascinating. That's really cool. And I've got a few more questions for you. We're going to really crescendo this conversation, but we have one more commercial break for the wonderful Dave's supermarket in Fairbury, Illinois. You ever been to Dave's supermarket or heard about it? I have not. Gosh, darn it. These ads. (laughs) Here's a word from the wonderful Dave's supermarket. Since 1950, Dave's Supermarket in Fairbury has been wowing customers throughout central Illinois with their unmatched customer service, delectable deli market, beloved grocery carryout service, and many other fortes, which is why they've earned hundreds of five-star reviews online. Dave's Third Street Deli has plenty of seating and is a destination place to meet your family and friends for good food, fun, and fellowship. 
Not only is their homestyle fried chicken here the best around, but you can also enjoy free coffee and 50 cent ice cream every single day. And be sure to check out their Old World Bakery while you're here, where freshly baked goods are prepared every morning. You'll find hundreds of unique and signature items here at Dave's that you won't find anywhere else, like their famous potato salad, ham loaf, and canned meats, just to name a few. Dave's Supermarket is open Monday through Saturday from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. and offers online shopping and curbside services. Come experience this revered location that puts a super in supermarket when you shop at Dave's in Fairbury, Illinois. Wowing the customer for over 70 years. All right, that was Dave's Supermarket in Fairbury, Illinois. Everyone loves Dave's. Great place. Except you apparently don't know who what Dave's is, but you know what? That's no big deal. I'll so, go find out. Yeah, there we go. So I want to ask now, when it comes to the trans community, this is a bit of a general question, or maybe a, an open-ended question, but what can, what can society do? What maybe even can the government do? What are some things that could happen to reduce that suicide rate that we mentioned in the beginning and just make life easier for trans people maybe easier is the wrong word just the quality of life better what needs to happen i think the first thing that everyone should do is just believe people like people know who they are and like they aren't trying to lie to you so like believe them believe their story believe their journey believe their identity make space for them and like don't question like it's <laughs> We get this a lot where it's like someone shouldn't have to have a PhD in gender studies to be able to defend who they are as a person. Um, and we don't expect that of cisgender people. Like, I don't ask someone to defend why they think they're a man or a woman. I believe them. Like, it, it, like that's how they identify. And so, like, I think starting with believing in those people um, and stop making – and this just is an overall, not just for the trans community, but stop making laws – for communities that you're not a part of, <laughs> stop making laws that saying you're looking out for the betterment of the population or the community when you have people that when you have no one from that community representing that voice. Same thing of like people making laws about against women's reproductive rights, people making laws against things. It's like you can't have people who aren't like you making decisions for you that they think is good. Um, so like make space for people, listen to them. Um, like for me, I like, I like conversations like this. I'm an educator. I'm a professor. I like to share knowledge. And so I'm comfortable having these kinds of conversations. Sometimes I'm hesitant or a little bit nervous, but like, of course, yeah. I, I don't mind doing this because I like, I like when folks like to learn, I like to learn new things. And so mm -hmm. I like when folks like to learn and listen, but it shouldn't be the job of trans people to educate Everyone. Now they should be a part of the conversation because like people say you go to the internet. Well, yeah, you can go to the internet, but the internet has a lot of misinformation on it. Mm. Um, but don't put the burden of trying to understand trans people on your trans friends and family. Um, there are amazing local resources like here in Bloomington. There's like the Prairie Pride Coalition, um, the is it queer collective at ISU. There's like ISU's pride. There are organizations whose job it is to make space for these communities and also 
educate folks and you can look those up. So like when they say go to the internet, don't just go to the internet and look up like what is trans, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but like look up local organizations that support trans people or support trans populations. Look up local organizations that do education and like go have a conversation like this with people who are ready to have it. I think a lot of folks will just expect someone to explain who they are to them. Um, when I don't ask that of anybody, unless I'm on a date, I'm like, tell me more about yourself. Mm. (laughs) But other than that, I don't expect that out of anybody and nor should folks expect that out of trans people. But there are trans folks who are more vocal, who like education. And a lot of times they work or involved with these organizations. So like go to those organizations, get some education, get your questions answered. Mm -hmm. Um, and that helps break down misunderstanding. Well, the only thing with that, though, is it's tough for people to get up and go to a physical place yes. or actually call a place. I mean, people <laughs> prefer not calling places yes. if possible. Is there a website you think they could go to that would be a good start? Yeah, a lot of these organizations, if you look up local organizations, like I, I work for Central Illinois Friends. We're a nonprofit that does uh, – outreach specifically for HIV prevention and care, but we also do a lot of LGBTQ plus education and outreach. I get emails all the time from like parents who are like, Hey, do you have a trans person on staff that could talk to me and my kid? Do you have resources that we can utilize? Like you don't have to make a phone call. You can go to a website. You can email. Like if you look up these organizations, look for their email, look for their websites, find the ways to contact them. Cause it is like, I'm, I'm used to calling people now cause I, my job, but like, mm-hmm. It can be scary, cold calling someone on the phone. That's it's oh, you spooky. bet. Yeah. <laughs> but like, there's other ways to reach out to people. Um, and sometimes some of these organizations, like their websites, will have educational information there, and you know it's been sorted and cited, sorted, sourced and cited. Um, and so you can go there for resources as well, just to get a little bit more education and get a little bit more understanding. Mm-hmm. And and you mentioned don't make laws about. Uh, groups of which none of the people who wrote the laws are a part of. Mm-hmm. Do you have any opinion on the uh, the Florida bill that recently got passed by Governor Ron DeSantis? I have a lot of opinions <laughs> about it. Um, it's just I just it I I get sad about things like that because there's no one's no one's voices are being heard or listened to and like no one's being represented and like you need to have everybody at the table. Like if your state has a large population of a certain group of people, someone from that population needs to be part of that conversation. And unfortunately nationwide, a lot of times people aren't like if I go to a city and their city council has people from each of their communities, each different populations represented at like a broad diverse city council. I'm like, there's a lot of voices here. They're listening to their people or at least their people are represented. Um, And so it just, it breaks my heart when people get laws made against them or things done to them without their consent, without them even being part of the conversation. And it furthers that stigma and uh, vilifies a community that's just trying to exist. And so when people pass these laws, like our identity is an issue, it's like, well, I'm just like... I'm just here having my coffee and going about my day. Why are you making laws about me um, without me being part of the conversation? And so it's just, it it makes me, I just, I get very sad um, because it's a lot of just misunderstanding. And then when you bring in legalese into it, it perpetuates that misunderstanding and it makes it really hard. Mm -hmm. Well, when it comes to that Florida bill, though, the only reason I can't help but not he- I can't help but hear about it, mm-hmm. and so I read the bill the other day, and it, I guess what it does 
generally is it makes secret keeping for educators about you know children's sexual orientation or gender identity it makes it so they have to basically tell the parents or and they can't keep secrets from the parents about those things and they're not supposed to talk about certain things in schools do you think that that is an issue then yes that's not safe for the kids mm-hmm. oh I, I one more thing though yeah. that it says in the bill is that if they believe that that telling the parents of this child what the child has told them if they believe that it could result in abuse neglect or anything like that then they can hold the secret i just want to throw that little caveat in there well that's leaving something to the discretion of a teacher who different teachers have different opinions so if a teacher thinks the kid's going to be safe but they aren't that role shouldn't fall to the teacher um there are things like patient doctor confidentiality if you tell your doctor something in confidence they can't share that And like if a kid tells you outside of identity and sexuality, if a kid tells you that they don't feel safe at home or they tell you, share something with you, are you going to go tell their parents that like, Hey, your kid doesn't feel safe here. That's actively putting that child in harm. And so people are putting it through the (laughs) lens. It sounds silly when you said that. (laughs) And so it's, it's putting it like sometimes teachers can be safe spaces. I've had students come out to me. They're in college, but like come out to me and I'm like, cool, I will respect that and who you are, and I'll make this classroom as safe as possible for you. That is none of my business to share. Also, it's a HIPAA violation to share that with anybody else. Mm -hmm. Um, So like, I can't share that information, and it's for their safety. And so putting any kind of dent in that kind of protection is harmful to youth. Um, Similar but different, like they're passing a lot of anti-trans laws in Texas right now. Um, a lot of really bad laws. And I have a friend who works for an engineering company that they have people all over. And one of his coworkers in Texas was saying there is a um, a woman, I think she's involved in politics and her child is trans. Her child's a teenager and her child is trans and like a public advocate. They're trying to get uh, her like protective services to take her kid away because in Texas that's considered child abuse. Hmm. Her kid's been living their truth their whole life. And now they're trying to take that child away from a safe and happy home because in the eyes of Texas government and legislation, that is child abuse. And so a lot of, again, people making laws for folks for when there's things they don't understand and putting populations at risk and increasing suicide rates and increasing harm done to these communities. When if you turn, like people will view it as something different because it's related to trans issues. But if I made that, if we made these laws about any other kind of community or identity, people be up in arms. Like I said, if a kid tells you they don't feel safe at home, what if there's a law that says, well, I have to tell their parents they don't feel safe at home. Mm-hmm. That's going to put that kid in danger. But no one looks at it that way because they can easily other it when it's something that they're not a part of or don't understand. Mm-hmm. They view our identity as a political platform. Like, I'm not who I am because of politics. I am who I am because uh, who I am. <laughs> and it just it's really heartbreaking to see kids being hurt and families being hurt and torn apart by legislation that's passed with no good intent in mind. Hmm. Well, well, I, I mean, they have some good intent, like their, their intentions are good, but that what they believe is good is not what a lot of people believe is good. Right. Well, they have an intention in mind to them. It is good to out a community to stop these things from happening because they're like well if kids talk about it we can stop them from doing it and speaking from personal experience you can't stop anybody from 
who they are. And if they don't get to express that, unfortunately, they end up dying. Um, And so they want to stop a form of identity that they think is bad. And so that can be a good intention from their perspective. But I think, I mean, what's that phrase? The path to hell is paved with good intentions. Um, If you think it's good to put any kind of population at risk to further an idea, that's not good. You should approach with a humanitarian approach of what will keep people safe. And this isn't going to keep people safe. If you make decisions that harm a community, that's not, that's not providing safety. And so that should be your first thought is who will this harm? And if it's zero, then cool. That's something we can consider doing. But if it harms an entire population, that is, that raises questions. <laughs> Understood. And and you said that if you don't, you know, these laws could wind up um, leading trans children to die. Like you said, what exactly is it about being trans that um, if if something doesn't go acknowledged can lead to these suicide rates that we see? Like what what frame of thought or what belief manifests that leads to these suicidal ideation and suicide attempts and actual suicide? Imagine if when you were born and if everyone said your name was Jim and you're like, Oh, like, and you're going to do this. You're going to inherit the family's business of running the factory or something. And you're like, well, no, my name is not like, say, okay, I'm Jim. And I want to inherit the factory. It's like, I don't want to do that. I want to do this other thing. And then everyone's saying, no, you want to do this in your whole life, in your heart of hearts. What you want to do is denied and ignored or ridiculed every single day. You will never have a space where you can be yourself or do what you want. And you'll be stuck in something. You'll be stuck at that factory where you're miserable and not happy and you can't do what you want and you can't be who you want and you can't do what you want set out to do, what your calling is that hurts. And so multiply that by, cause it's not a profession. It's not a hobby. So multiply that by like 10,000 mm-hmm. when Every single person in your life, like I still like, I get misgendered every day. People make fun of me every day and I'm fine. Like I'm happy. I have a really awesome group that I, I have a support system. It must I'm be very tough. Happy. Dang. Yeah. It, it's a burden that people carry or like that fear of violence. Every time I leave my house, like I'm ready to have to fight for my safety. And a lot of people don't carry that weight. So imagine carrying that fear of violence and fear of your own safety. No one believing you ever people actively trying to harm you because they don't believe you and making you second guess yourself when you're a kid and you're in a very vulnerable phase where you already think the world's against you. Like we've all been through puberty and teenagers. That's, it's a hard time to be in period. Um, but then adding all of this, like it's no wonder suicide rates are so high because it, it feels there's no other option. It's like, I can't, I'm not happy. I can't be here in this And so I just need to end it because, and so that's where this comes from. Like I I have friends who have told me stories of like, they would pray every night, but they would wake up in the right body from the time they were like four, Hmm. they would wake up and they would pray, they would pray every night, but they were like, please let me wake up and be a girl. Please let me wake up and be a girl. Four-year-olds not sharing that with anybody, but crying themselves to sleep because they feel trapped. And then 
they grow up and people tell them they're a monster, that they need to be killed, that they need to be burned at the stake, that they're mentally ill, that they are a plague on society, that they aren't real, that they're liars. And they get that every day. And then people pass laws that's like, oh, well, I feel safe at school. My friends know. And I like my teacher. Well, now the teacher has to tell your parents. So now you're outed at home. So your home environment's not safe. Your school environment's not safe. You have no safe space that is your own that you can go to. And you feel cornered and trapped. There's not a lot of options. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why suicide rates are so high. So when you let people live in their truth, when you let people happily express themselves and celebrate themselves, you're saving their life. Wow. Alexander Martin, this has been an incredible conversation. You're extremely well-versed in, in all things involving the trans community. It's really been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. And before we wrap things up, I don't know, if is there anything that you'd like to say uh, before we sign off? I don't just thank you for having me and to everyone listening. Thanks for listening. Um, if you felt during this conversation, if there's something pulling in you, that's like, I don't believe it, or I don't feel comfortable with it or any kind of tug that made you question something or feel angry, just do what we talked about earlier. Look up some local organizations, get a little bit of education um, from those organizations and just believe those around you believe people's story and journey and like, they'll be happier and you'll be happier. All right, there it is. Well, to everyone watching, thank you for watching and listening to the Paul Garcia Show. And if you like this episode, please subscribe on YouTube, like my page on Facebook, and maybe even follow me on Instagram. But most importantly, share this episode with your friends and family. Alexander, do you have Facebook? Probably I... not because you have to <laughs> yeah. go to everything. Um, but I do have an Instagram. They can follow me at a uh... Xander 9210. So X A N D E R 9210. I share my artwork and public public advocacy work. So they can reach out there. <laughs> there we go. And hey, if you get your people to share this episode if you wouldn't mind. That would yeah. be wonderful. <laughs> and everyone watching, be sure to share it as well. And if you'd like to support the show financially, of course, consider making a one-time donation on Venmo to username The Paul Garcia Show. And if you'd like to support this show and gain exclusive early access to episodes like this one, become a patron on patreon.com forward slash Paul Garcia. Until next Sunday, I'm your host, Paul Garcia. God bless and have a great week. And Alexander, again, thank you for so bravely coming on and sharing your story, sharing your insights. It really was eye-opening and really educational and moving. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. My pleasure. All right. Boom.